Welcome to the first full episode of Returning to Tradition. This week's episode is entitled The Show Must Go On in reference to Catholic social life during COVID-19 and how it has been handled by our generation. As always, I'm your host, Chris Dixon. Today I'm joined by my good friend and mentor, Austin Satria. Austin is originally from Frisco, Texas, and is a religious studies major at the University of Oklahoma, graduating next month before pursuing a master's degree in human resources. Austin is a singer-songwriter for Still Morning Worship. Be sure to check them out on Spotify and all other major music streaming platforms. Austin, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you, Chris. I'm excited, and yeah, especially to be on the first one. This is awesome. So, Before we get started, do you think that there's anything that the people should know about you, who you are, your life story, so that people can understand you and your personality better? Yeah, I mean, I, I grew up Catholic. Um, yeah, fortunate to have a family that raised me Catholic, but um, I think, like many of us know, it's it's not always just a cakewalk, even when you're a cradle Catholic. So it was a long journey uh, and, and lots of reconversion and continual reconversion. Um, yeah, so everything I have to say with a grain of salt, um, but it's come through a lot of learning and, and just a lot of good mentors in my life as well. Um, but I'm excited to be able to talk with you and just, just kind of share and, and talk about how our generation is, is moving in, in today's church and, and just the direction that we're headed. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Austin, as I said, is a really great person, and I think he's going to be a great person for the first episode. In fact, he's so great a person that before recording, I told Austin how everybody wanted to come on the show, but nobody wanted to be the first person. So I, I basically told Austin, you're going to be the first person. Uh, and now nobody wants to follow him up. So the, the people are expecting <laughs> a lot out of him. <laughs> Hopefully, hopefully you can deliver. The first one's always the pilot episode. You know, it's the pilot episode, but um, I'm sure after I go, everyone's, they'll all come piling in, you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they will. Anyways, I'm not a huge fan of long intros, so this has been long enough. Let's hop right into this week's show. As I mentioned in the intro, you produce Catholic worship music with Snow Morning. Uh, outside of the Mass, I think that almost everyone would agree that worship music is good and uplifting. Uh, in fact, you had a concert last night, I believe. Mm -hmm. uh, what do you think the primary purpose of music like yours, the worship music you make, should be? Yeah, so this is this is a great question, and, and there's a lot of, this is a multifaceted answer. I think we have to start with something at Still Morning um, that me and, and then my co-leader, Julia, an, an idea we've really bought into is that worship and, and praise are the soul's natural state, right? So everything's created with a purpose, um, and things are most efficient, they're most um, at rest when they're being used for their intended purpose. So our souls are, are no different. Um, and if we believe that our souls were made to praise and worship, then we also believe that our souls are most fulfilled, they're most at rest when they're doing those things, right? Um, now, obviously, uh, the beauty of the church is that there's so many avenues for us to worship our creator. Uh, music is just one of those. And so I think the, the purpose of, of our music and what we're trying to do at, at Still Morning, and I think uh, what should be the purpose of all worship music, is to allow the soul to be at rest as it knows and prays praises and uh, worships it, its creator, right? So worship music should allow our soul to be at rest um, 
in knowing who the Father is and who we are in relation to the Father. I think if you listen um, to most worship music lyrics, I would say probably all worship music lyrics, they should tell you something about who the Father is or who you are. Um, and I think when we proclaim that in a verbal way, uh, it just allows our soul uh, to really immerse ourselves in our identity. Uh, and again, music is just one of the many ways that uh, we're able to do that through worship. Yeah, for sure. You guys, your music is fantastic. And I think Thank it you. does accomplish that, that purpose that you're talking about, uh, how we're going to either learn about the soul or learn, learn more about us ourselves as the human beings that we're created mm -hmm. as. Um, so within within the mass, you talked about outside of the mass. Within the mass, there's the the church says that there's three things that the the priest must the pastor must coordinate: liturgy, art, and music. And those three things are held in high esteem in the Catholic Church. So, on the other side of music within the church, how do you think that our generation views the use of music within the mass? Yeah, there is. It's so hard because there's no one set view on this. Um, in fact, that, that's probably why you asked the question. But it's just, it's a contentious thing nowadays. Um, but I think our generation is starting to to understand uh, that it's, it's more about what is at the heart of the music, right? So, for instance, I think our generation has a good understanding that anything that detracts from the purpose of the Mass shouldn't be there <laughs> right so whether this means and i don't think it necessarily means one or the other but what if this means super traditional you know chanting or a more contemporary style uh, the reality is i have seen contemporary music in the mass done really well and done really prayerfully um, and I've, I've seen more traditional music done not very well, you know? Um, and I don't even mean not well in, in terms of, like, was it played physically well? Like, were the notes hit? I mean, like, what was at the heart? You know, was it inviting for, um, yeah, people at Mass to be able to enter into, into those songs? Um, or was it not, right? Because um, if we believe that our, our participation in, in the Mass... Um, matters, yeah, then it's not only at the moment of, you know, when we're sacrificing in the Eucharist, it's, it's throughout the whole Mass. Are we offering ourselves? Are we giving ourselves? Um, and that goes with the music as well. So I think our generation um, just has a strong desire and, and, a, and a better understanding of what the purpose of the Mass is, you know, in this sacrifice. And I think more than anything, we just want our music to be able to to add to that and not detract from it, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes complete sense. And that's definitely, of course, what the church would say as well. Totally. And I know yeah. Austin isn't just saying, this is what the church says. He's, he's actually saying that, you know, that's, that's, what we, that's what we want because right. we know that it's so good. I mean, anything added to something else is just better. Like you said, if it detracts away, then it makes it worse. I mean, that's just how it is. <laughs> yep. like, that's math. <laughs> so, uh, I was actually talking with a couple guys uh, yesterday about this exact same topic. Sure. It, it came up, uh, we were talking about how some of the more traditional music is 
harder for the average person at mass to sing along to. Right, right. And so there's still a great love for the use of contemporary music. And so uh, the pastor and, and the parish have to find some sort of balance between what what is attainable for their particular congregation to to be involved with, uh, normally more contemporary music, and also glorify God to that higher standard with chanting in the organ um, as, as traditional music would have and, and finding a good balance for that. And so this is really open. There is no right answer because the church doesn't have an answer for this. Where do you see the balance um, or, or maybe where do you think that most people see the balance between this contemporary and traditional music? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's really a good question. Um, you kind of alluded to it. There's there's no perfect answer. I think, again, not to reiterate what, what I said to the previous question, but I think the balance is, is just like what's at the heart of this music. And, and that goes, I mean, I've never been a music director for a parish, but this goes even back to like song selection, right? Uh, liturgical seasons, right? Uh, everything that has to be factored in and just knowing, knowing the audience as well. I think it is actually, you know, the pastor knows his parish and, and what they desire. That doesn't mean he just caves to whatever, <laughs> you know, his, his parish wants him to do. Um, I think the balance is, is just found in the heart of what are we doing? What is the season we're in? What are the needs of the parish, right? So some parishes are inherently more traditional. Right, and that's what we've seen, and and there's nothing. Yeah, that's great. You know, for a parish that that thrives in, in a more traditional realm, uh, yeah, it's, it's probably not a good idea to show up and play <laughs> contemporary music for all the Sunday masses, right? They, for for a parish that has, uh, yeah, more younger families, right? Uh, maybe more charismatic crowds, if, if I can call it that, uh, then you're able to feed more contemporary music into that. However, uh, again, I, I've seen this in, in many parishes where, where it falls to one or the other extreme, uh, and it no longer becomes about how am I best serving the Mass, but it becomes about, uh, yeah, this is my identity. I'm either charismatic or I'm traditional, and I'm going to like grit my teeth and, and stick to it until the end, you know? Uh, and that just loses taste as well. Because the reality is that worship is spirit-led, right? So um, worship is spirit-led, mission is spirit-led. If we're not allowing ourselves to be flexible in how the Holy Spirit is guiding us, we're just serving ourselves, right? And we're not serving the, the greater purpose of the church. So music falls under, under the same realm. Um, even when Julie and I uh, are choosing a set list, right, for a worship night, um, not mass, but a worship night, we have to ask ourselves, like, who's our audience and, and what's the goal of the night? Uh, and these things will change, but obviously we have a heart that uh, a heart that lies in what we're trying to do that we know uh, we, we can't change, right? So it's the dynamic of what's negotiable and, and what's not. And again, anything that detracts from the mass is, is not negotiable. Uh, but the things that are, we just have to ask ourselves, Where's the spirit leading me to in this balance of traditional, contemporary, and again, there's just so many factors that go into that. There's there's just no perfect answer. 
that for sure. That's, that's a fantastic answer. <laughs> um, yeah, so now you, the listener, are sitting back there. You're like, Chris, you said we're going to talk about COVID-19, and you haven't even mentioned it since the <laughs> intro. Um, so, yeah, one of the biggest impacts of COVID-19 has been the impact on music, um, you know, with the, especially at the mass, that the choirs socially distant have to wear masks. Um, I mean, in, in general, it just had a negative impact on the music, regardless of if it's contemporary or traditional. Like, sure. you know, it's it's had an impact, but it's also had an impact on uh, people's attendance at the mass. I mean, it, even space restriction seems even if everybody wanted to come to mass, they can't. Um, but those are beginning to be loosened back up. And one of the problems that I think the church is about to have and is already having is people think it's fine to sit in their bed and, you know, either sit in their bed and do nothing or sit in their bed and put on the TV live stream of Mass. So what do you think is the best way to get people back to Mass? Yeah. Um, to me, there's just no doubt in my mind. Uh, it just has to be. We just have to catechize well, and people need to understand why am I going to Mass, right? Why am I going to Mass? What's the purpose? Um, is it to give or, or to receive, right? And in a way, it's both, right? But we give ourselves, and we receive the Lord. Um, unfortunately, I think these are things that we really take for granted in the church nowadays. Take for granted that people understand. Um, I mean, personally, in my, in my journey, I didn't understand truly what was happening at the mass or why I was going until well into my, my college years, right? And so I think now, and, and maybe this is a blessing actually, I think COVID has just stripped away any surface level reasoning we could have had for going to mass, right? Well, if I'm going to, to see, you know, family and friends that, you know, I'm good friends with at my parish, well, you, you don't get that anymore, you know? There's no guarantee of that. Uh, am I going to, to listen, right, as we're talking about, to, to hear good music? You know, my church has a great choir. Well, you may not get that anymore, right? Um, am I going because my, my church is, is really well built and I, I love the, the art aesthetic and it's like, um, yeah, you may get that, uh, but it's not going to be, in, 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 again, in the same environment that was created when, when it's a packed house, right? Um Churches look look beautiful when, when they're most when they're most packed. You know, uh, I think most of us would agree. Um, so any one of these things and many many more reasons we could have for going to mass, even if we're not consciously aware that this is actually what's driving us to go, uh, we're going to be aware now, right? <laughs> because all these other exterior surface level reasons we could have for going to mass, we can no longer depend upon. So the crux of the matter is. Well, why, why am I going then? And again, if the answer is not the Eucharist, right, um, and, and to give myself fully and, and, and part of that sacrifice, uh, we're going to struggle to go back to Mass and people are going to struggle to go back to Mass. Because that's the one thing, right, that is never going to change. No matter how COVID restrictions change, um, what Mass may physically look like, that's the spiritual reality of what's happening at Mass and why we're going. So really, how do we get people back to Mass? Um, somehow, we, we have to teach and we have to ask 
you know, um, why are you going to Mass, right? And if the answer is not the Eucharist and sacrifice, we have to be able to um, enter into people's lives and, and hopefully share in, in a profound and in a loving way um, how that does lie at the center of the Mass. Um, because again, that's the one thing, um, yeah, that's the one thing that, that's never going to leave the Mass, but it's also the thing you're, you're never really going to get watching a TV, right? Um, it's just it's just not the same. You can't replicate it, um, that physical communion um, with the Lord. And so I think that's the way we, we get people back. Now, what that looks like practically is, is much more complicated, <laughs> much more complicated issue could be a, a podcast all on its own. Um, but we just have to, uh, yeah, we have to resurface this conviction of the Eucharist in, in the true presence at the Mass, in yeah. my opinion. You touched on about 15 different podcast ideas within that Right, exactly, there. yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, you guys know one of the things I believe I mentioned in the trailer episode was, uh, I mean, the lack of belief in the real presence. Like I said, three years ago or whatever, the study came out and it's like, ain't nobody believe in the real presence. <laughs> right, like, right. Well, well, if if I don't believe in the real presence, then what's the difference between going to mass on TV and going to mass in person? There is no difference, right. and like like Austin said. So, uh, again, teaching people, but like a kind, loving way, catechizing to them, I believe was the word that Austin used there, using big mm-hmm. words, um, <laughs> <laughs> is the is probably the best way. And again, like you said, figuring out how to do that. That's that's going to be the challenge for not only the church leaders, but also the laity. The laity, I think, um, are, are really involved. And that was one of the big things with Vatican II, was to have right. the lay person more involved. Um, and I think our, our generation is embracing the involvement uh, that we're called to. Um, and even back to what we were talking about earlier with with music, the the lay people involved with the music. We want the people to sing along. Like, right. You know? right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, how do you think that the general relationship that people have with God, uh, Catholic or not, um, have has changed with this pandemic? Yeah, uh, I think obviously it's been hard for everybody, right? And I think our understanding of who the Father is has changed, right? So I think for my, myself, it's just become very obvious that the way God desires to love us is, is often abnormal, you know, in our eyes are not the ways in which we expect, we expect um, right? That like kind of what defines worldly goodness or worldly stability uh, is certainly not uh, what, what God uses in order to draw us closer to him. And we've obviously seen that during this pandemic. I think more than anything, I've seen a lot of, especially our generation and, and our friends, um, turn to a, a greater conviction of just the personal nature of how God desires to reach us, right? That he's He's not in, in any one place or any one event um, or any one habit, because again, all of those were essentially taken away from us, um, especially at the, uh, yeah, at the peak of this pandemic. Um, but that God's personal relationship with us is where we are, you know. Um, there's this, yeah, there's this great book called Abandonment to Divine Providence. Um, and in the book, 
this priest talks about what he calls the sacrament of the present moment. So that this is actually such a holy thing that God gives us the present moment. And with that present circumstance, um, right, reality as it is. Um, and I think it's C.S. Lewis who says that of the three time frames, right, the, the future is the least perfect. And then we have the past because it, it was real at one point, but it's now it's now gone. But the present is the most perfect of times, right? I think with the pandemic, the temptation has been to live in the past or to live in the future. Um, but God is, is drawing us to deeper relationship with him because the present um, belongs to the Father, right? That's the reality that we're living in. And so again, I think um, people have really learned uh, that dependence on the Father can't come through any external reality, but only uh, kind of an interior devotion. Uh, yeah, that, that can, can't be changed by, by any circumstance, um, any pandemic. And so I just think I've seen our generation come to a more intimate and personal relationship with the Father, just a greater trust in His providence, and um, again, just a greater devotion to the sacrament of the present moment. Yeah, I really like that idea of the sacrament of the present moment. Um, kind of heard it before you just said it right there. Yeah. But I, I like I like that, and, and I also completely agree that, that COVID has made us want to be in either the past or the future like we we want to go back to normal live in the past or we're we're looking forward to when everybody's vaccinated or or when the pandemic's gone or whatever and everybody can live freely without their masks on but we aren't thinking about well currently we're at this point the pandemic's still real it's getting better but the pandemic's still real and and that's the present that's the present reality that we have to deal with um and and instead of i don't know praying for the past or the future praying in the present that this is what i have right now in this moment this is what i can offer you god and and that's that's where we can go from there so austin has been my bible study leader for the past couple years uh, he's also rather heavily involved in various forms of ministry, and of course, the goal of that is to bring the love of God to others. So, um, with that in mind, I'm sure that's been difficult to do with the pandemic. So, what for you has been the most effective way to minister to others during the pandemic? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, ministry has changed a lot and uh, how it looks. Throughout the last last year and a half, I think the, to answer this question, I think we just have to understand that actually we have to understand the unique opportunity that the pandemic has actually given us um, to minister to others. And what I mean is that uh, again, especially on a college campus, Chris, you know this and you see this. We have a lot of people who are living uh, just distracted, right? So they're distracted with all the things they're doing all the friendships they're maintaining, um, right, all the accomplishments that they're seeking. Uh, And a lot of the times when um, we're distracted, right, it's the classic Martha and Mary, um, we take our way away uh, from something, we take ourselves away from something good 
But if actually if we're distracted enough, we don't even know <laughs> that we're missing some good, right? Mm -hmm. So for the average student on a college campus um, who has a hundred different things going on, they have this hole in their hearts, you know, that only the Lord can fill, but they don't even feel it if they're busy enough, right? Again, pandemic, no, nobody was, was busy at, at the beginning of this thing. Um, and so actually, I think people became more aware of their, you know, of their own desire for something greater. So I think the pandemic um, with ministry, it's been an opportunity to just enter into people's lives and ask good questions, not to, you know, not to shine or not to throw them into despair, but just to point them and guide them towards their own desire for the Lord, right? Every desire we have, even if it's a sinful one, um, is a distortion or, or is rooted in something good, the desire for God, right? And so I think the pandemic has given us an opportunity in ministry uh, yeah, to, to be in relationship with one another in a way that we can ask it each other good questions and, and point each other to like, man, we feel empty, we feel bored, we have all these desires, but what are we really desiring? It's it's the Lord. So in some way, it's been a really good time to uncover what it is we're missing in our lives, um, what it is we're actually upset about, and see how actually, you know, the fulfillment of this desire is the Lord. Um, that's kind of the spiritual answer to the question, obviously on a practical level. You just have to get creative, you know, in the ways you share life with one another. Um, we were doing virtual Bible studies, you know, to start. Uh, now it's, yeah, as things have started to open back up, we, we've been able to, you know, do a lot of outdoor ministry. And um, again, it, it is the present moment. And it's like, what's the reality that I have? How can I step into someone's life um, during this time and love them well with all the circumstances? And then um, you have to trust the spirits going to guide you in your ministry from there. Yeah. I want to respond to both of, of your things, both the spiritual and the physical aspect, but I'm going to do it in the opposite order. Sure. Uh, first, the physical one. Um, a couple weeks ago, a, a study came out from uh, the Pillar Catholic website. They're a relatively new Catholic news organization. Very good. I would recommend them. Uh, and they came out with a thing about finances in parish and diocese during COVID-19. And, and one of the things um, that they said was how creative uh, pastors and, and their parishes are getting with their ministry opportunities. And uh, the more creative these ministry opportunities were, the more outdoor masses or outdoor confessions that they had available with the pandemic uh, on, a, on a parish level resulted in a higher donation or at least less of a decrease in terms of monetary donations uh, than parishes that didn't do that. And so I think at large ministry uh, and evangelization is very similar to that in that um, you know the more the more creative we are, the more opportunities we give uh, outdoor and safely, I think the more people, uh, and, and more effective that it ends up being. The other thing, addressing the spiritual aspect, um, yeah, the, the, the fact is during the pandemic, I think almost everybody had multiple moments, especially towards the beginning, where, uh, I mean, 
classes online so nobody's paying attention and you right. know everything is just i mean you aren't seeing your friends i mean you're just on your phone all the time you know scrolling through youtube twitter instagram facebook you name it and you aren't even thinking about it it's just what you do when you're bored right and yeah i i agree completely that it's just filling filling a hole uh that that of course is made made for the lord and again not that youtube and instagram and facebook and whatever else i said was bad uh and, and they aren't but um th those are definitely things that i think that um we we can use to get people to i mean i mean how many times do you say i don't have, have a lot of free time uh but you spend an hour a day on Instagram, right. like you know, you have an hour of free time. It's just a matter of how how you use how it. Spend. Um, so that is that right there. And actually, next week we'll be talking about social media more broadly um, and with with our next guest. Many other things to talk about with that, um, and not just, of course, the pandemic or, or boredom, but also many other things. So. Um, on the other side of that, though, the biggest strength that I think our generation has is the internet. Yep. Um, I mean, the other generations didn't really grow up with it like we did, but I mean, you have a question on faith or morals, you can Google it, you got Catholic Answers, the Catechism is online, uh, the, the Vatican website with all the papal encyclicals on it. You wanna say a prayer or litany that you don't know, and type it into Google. Um, you want the readings for the day, go to the USCCB website or it's on an app. Like mm -hmm. it, all this stuff is, it's just so readily available, uh, uh, literally at our fingertips for this generation that other people didn't have. Uh, and even, even with all that availability for God at our fingertips, uh, we're still hit hard by the isolation of this pandemic and, and we don't use that time uh, to fill fill our hearts with God um, and, you know, maybe go through social media or, or just surf the internet or, or whatever you're doing. Um, I mean, this is a bit of a tougher question, but why do you think that it is that we we decide to fill our hearts with, um, with, with those things rather than with more holy things? Um, even though, of course, like you said, at, at the end of the day, we're rooted in um, in that love for God, that desire for God. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So, so why why do we do that, and what can we do to uh, make relationships with other people less virtual and and more physical, and also our relationship with God? So, there's a lot going on there. But. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <clears throat> so. I gave a short talk like a year ago, and basically the, the key question that I was trying to answer was, in our spiritual life, are we loving for love or from love? So are we loving in order that we may be loved by others and God, or are we loving because we've already first received the love of God, right? And now we're giving that back to him or we're giving that back to others. And one of the subsets of this question um, that I posed was, are we trying to know God so that we can be known by him? Or do we know God because we know we're first known by him? So 
kind of a tongue twister, but really what it boils down to is um, I think a lot of us fall in the trap of, man, if I know more about God, if I know enough about God, um, I'm going to feel more known and loved by him, right? <clears throat> and this is kind of how many of the things, you know, in our culture work today, it's like, well, if you do enough, then you'll get this accomplishment, right? Cause and effect, um, cost benefit, whatever it may be. But um, I think what this leads to is what you were just describing, right? So in the pandemic, or honestly, even not in the pandemic, we have so many online resources uh, that are so great, right? Online catechism, like you mentioned, so many good, you know, formational video series, Bible studies are available online. Uh, but I think when we depend on those too much and we try to substitute that for just like real authentic holy prayer or participation in the sacraments, it's a sign that we're trying to win the love of the Father. It's a sign that I think we think if we know enough um, or if we know more and more, then like God's love will increase proportionally or the ways we'll feel known by him will increase proportionally with the ways uh, that we know the Father. But it's like, yeah, we know that like God already knows us and loves us perfectly, right? Sounds like a very uh, simple answer, but I think our ability to just rest in the Father's love and know that we're first loved by Him before we even do anything, that will actually decrease uh, kind of our itch to, to grasp at more and more knowledge to the point where it's unhealthy, right? Obviously, the online resources are great to use. You know, uh, I'm not saying you shouldn't use them, but I think, like you said, when we start to substitute those for, yeah, more pure and more relation, um, relational activities, whether that's with other people or with God the Father himself, whether that's, you know, again, in prayer and the sacraments, it's kind of a sign, I think, that we're just grasping for knowledge uh, in a way that's actually not, not good, right? Um, anytime I've like read spiritual books where the author, you know, says like, yeah, but if, if you're being puffed up with pride right now, put this book down, <laughs> you know, and it's like, that's, that's the idea here with all these online resources, um, in order to maintain just personal relationship with the Lord, we, we just have to receive love from him first and know that that doesn't come from, you know, any amount of research or study or, um, answered questions that we're able to do right um, the crux of the matter is the one reason we should want to know more about God is to love him in a greater capacity so, right so anytime we're looking for answers or uh, yeah you know using online resources we just have to ask yourself is this for my own pride um, or is this because I want to love the father in a greater degree Right? And I think past generations, uh, in a really weird double-edged sword kind of way, didn't have that curse of having so many answers available on online, um, because if they had a question, they had to take it to somebody, right? Um, and, and that's relational ministry uh, inherently. And so it's kind of a challenge we face where we can kind of get all of those answers without having to even leave our room or enter into any sort of 
relationship with another human being. Yeah, well, I, I really like that end part. I mean, the whole response is good, but at sure. the end, like relating how how our virtual relationship with God, for lack of a better term, results in a, a less physical and and as a result of that, a more virtual relationship with other people yeah. and yeah. like um i mean that's that's one of my big things especially recently is is how virtual our relationships with other people are not even like within the pandemic but like before the pandemic like you know you text your boyfriend or your girlfriend everything that happens in your life or whatever right, or right. like again not that that's bad but like you're behind a screen and, and the whole being behind a screen thing, I, I hope that this topic comes up next week when we talk about social media. Being behind a screen, you do so many stupid things or unnecessary things that right. you wouldn't otherwise do. Um, and and again, it's just so much better to have a physical conversation with somebody about an issue that you're having or or something like that. Imagine like if you tried to propose to somebody over text. Like right. it's definitely been done because it's 2021. The internet's been. I was about to say, thank God we haven't hit that point, but I guess, <laughs> I guess we have actually. <laughs> we probably have. We probably have, unfortunately. Uh, but that like that's just sad in my like something that serious is done behind a screen, you, and you can't physically, you know yeah do that like that that i think is a huge problem um and, and again like you said even even for a relationship with god in a, in a very similar way like you know we can look up this stuff online but how much better would it be to go to, to our pastor or, or campus minister yes close trusted friend or something and and ask that person the question build up that relationship with that person and at the same time, you get a relationship with God and another human being. Mm -hmm. And that, that relationship with that human being will last for quite quite a long time. Absolutely. So uh, to wrap us up, I know we've, we went a little long today, but you know, <laughs> again, there's no time to say, like, I was telling Austin before this, we might have like a 10 minute episode and we might have like a two hour episode one time. So, yeah. so who we knows? were somewhere in the middle of those, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so finally, I want to ask all my guests this question because this is, of course, the purpose of the podcast. What is a devotion or, or, right? tradition for lack of a better term that you find particularly notable or uh more um more more used by our generation than others or or just more deeply by our generation yeah something i've noticed um especially yeah my college years that i went through reconversion uh i had a focused missionary my sophomore year who kind of really yeah helped him experience that deeper conversion and spirit was really working through him and he he's the one who actually introduced me to Marian consecration right so uh and now i'm wearing the consecration chain that he gave me um first time i'd ever heard of it uh was was from him and uh, one thing i yeah i've seen this a lot actually in our generation is um especially not just uh, Marian consecration but we all just did 
uh, consecration to St. Joseph, um, a ton of us at, uh, yeah, at OU, at our campus ministry. And this devotion to the Holy Family, I think, is actually something I've noticed um, that's really, really special. So I think a lot of, um, again, not to generalize, but I feel like I know a lot of people in the older generation, right, who will <laughs> have, like, a Marian statue, right? Or... Uh, yeah, Our Lady of Guadalupe or Our Lady of Lourdes or, or something. Um, but it's like there's a lack of like an actual real dependence on like their intercession, Mary's intercession or St. Joseph's intercession. Um, I think our generation has actually found a really, really um, cool way to, again, tap into this devotion, um, this dependence on uh, the intercession of of Mary and St. Joseph, I think, I, I was trying to think about, like, why, like, why our generation has found that, other than, you know, someone cool tells you to do it, and then you're like, oh, that's great, you know, um, I, I actually think it, it's just a sign of, uh, unfortunately, our generation, I think, has also experienced the greatest degree of brokenness in family life that we've probably ever seen, so I think, um, yeah, the desire to consecrate ourselves, you know, to Mary or to St. Joseph, um, I think is, is springs out of this brokenness that we've experienced and that we've seen in just the ways, unfortunately, family life has, has really been torn apart. Um, yeah, it's this great longing for, right, the perfect holy family um, that we see, right, with Mary Joseph and, and Jesus. Um, but I love this devotion. Um I think one time someone asked me, because I asked uh, a crowd of people I was giving a talk to, I was like, who is God to you, right? Well, and then this girl like, came up to me afterwards and was like, okay, I see you're wearing like the consecration chain, like who is who is Mary to you? I was like, oh man, who is Mary to me? And uh, yeah, I think more than anything, Mary is a consoler. Um, she's a consoler. Uh, and there's this great, great image, um, piece of artwork that I've meditated with that basically shows Eve uh, touching uh, the, the stomach of a pregnant Mary, right? Uh, and just being consoled because, again, not because of Mary herself, but because of the life that Mary's about to bring into the world. And something interesting I've noticed is that in artwork, when Mary is stepping on the head of a serpent, she's almost always pregnant with Jesus when she's doing that. Um, and it's just so, right, it's not just Mary on her own, but it's because of the eternal life that she's literally bearing within her womb. Um, again, love love that devotion, consecration to Mary and, and to St. Joseph as well. Um, and just as Mary, you know, is a tabernacle, when she's holding Jesus, I think this is the call we have as well. Yeah, to carry Jesus in our hearts, to be spiritual tabernacles, and um, we find that in Our Lady. Yeah, wow. Um, a lot to unpack there, but um, yeah, I could do, <laughs> uh, again, Austin just keeps on bringing up all, all the future ideas for a podcast. Uh, <laughs> you know, we, we could do a whole one about devotions to Mary and Joseph if we want to do it. I don't have a person to do that yet, but um, you know, that would be that would be a fantastic one. And another one, uh, 
that you kind of brought up was the brokenness of the family life yes. that our generation yeah. is going through. The divorce rates, oh my goodness gracious. It's crazy. It's like, again, like, not, not, there's nothing against those who have been divorced when, when I say this, but it, just, it really has just made our generation, like, screwed. <laughs> like, yeah, you it's know, very challenging. They, it, it's really difficult for, um, for for again people to to have a relationship and, and with with another person because they're like oh my mom or dad you know they didn't work out so why am I going to be any different and, mm-hmm. and the inversion to marriage that I think right. our generation has and and even the past I think millennials even more so um, the inversion to marriage you know well. What's the point of marriage, especially now, you know, you, you can have children outside of marriage. I don't recommend it, but, you know, right, that, right. <laughs> you can. So, um, yeah, I, I think I I never made the connection that you made between the holy the devotions to the Holy Family and the brokenness of family life in our generation. I think that that really does shed a lot of light on to potentially why we are so devoted to those things because right. i mean that's a great that's a great reason to to yeah. do so but even for me i i'm blessed with a fantastic family uh, not divorced thankfully yeah. um, i'm sure they're also like thankfully um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> but um yeah i'm i'm blessed by having that um and, but Still, I have a devotion to the Holy Family, and I think that's because I desire to have like what my parents had, like what Absolutely. Mary and Joseph had. And I, if, of course, I'm called to marriage, that is what uh, we're looking forward to. So, with all that being said, <laughs> thank you, Austin, for sharing a bit about yourself and uh, some of your thoughts about our generation with the listeners this week. Final, final question. Is there anything that you want to say uh, about the church or embracing the tradition to the listeners before we leave? Yeah, just really quick. I think, yeah, we, we live in a, a time, our generation, there's a lot of polarization between like, oh, I'm traditional or I'm charismatic. And um, yeah, sure, we have spiritual tendencies and ways we receive more. Um but tradition is, is truth, right? Like, truth doesn't change. We all desire it. Um, and the Holy Spirit, on the charismatic side, the Holy Spirit's not optional, you know? Um, yeah, and so I think we just kind of, yeah, sometimes we throw around these terms and people identify as, as one another. But, yeah, truth and tradition is non-negotiable, but, but so is the Holy Spirit and inviting the Holy Spirit into your life. So... I, I encourage just listeners, like wherever you think you fall in that spectrum, it's like think about the ways in which the Lord is desiring to reach you um, through the avenues that perhaps you're a little more hesitant to enter into. Uh, yeah, and, and trust that He's going to work through through that as well. He works across the whole spectrum. So, yeah, that's that's fantastic. My brother, for those who don't know, is much more charismatic than I am. Um, so when he gets on the show uh, over the summer, sometime. <laughs> 
um, we can we can it's talk about that more, yeah. de- more deeply. Uh, but but my brother also has has a love and respect for tradition as well. Absolutely. So um, I I think that speaking of balance, you've talked about balance several times. That's a great balance um, that I think that I think our generation is. And, and when I say returning to tradition as as the title, right. I mean it's it's not returning to tradition and abandonment of <laughs> right. charismatic exactly. Catholicism. Like exactly. no, we 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 still embrace that. Um, so anyways, thank you, Austin, for coming on to the podcast and thank you, the listener, for, well, listening. <laughs> if you like the show, be sure to subscribe to the podcast or follow it or whatever it's called uh, so you don't miss out when it comes out next Wednesday on, eight, on Wednesday, April 21st. Speaking of next Wednesday, our guest is going to be Lily from the University of Oklahoma. She'll be talking about social media. See you guys soon, and don't forget to continue returning to tradition.